Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to Ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Pittsburgh Steelers faced one of the better defenses in the NFL this past Sunday, with one of the hottest pass rushers in the NFL, in Von Miller, going against the Steelers' offensive line and all their issues at offensive tackle. The result was probably what we should have expected in this crazy 2021 Steelers season. My name is Jeffrey Benedict. Welcome to the Cutting Room Floor. As always, here on the Cutting Room Floor, we're going to start by covering the Steelers' defense in this first half of the show. And the second half, we're going to look at the offense. Today, I want to talk about the players that made an impact in this game that the Steelers or Steeler fans were down on, really weren't high on before they suddenly had good games and impacted to help the Steelers win this game. We're going to start with the defensive line. Henry Mondo, I had been touting in the preseason uh, as one of the Steelers' top 
defensive line reserves. And then they cut him. Put him on the practice squad. No one took him. No one wanted him. Sat on the bench until last week when he finally got a hat and got a few snaps. This week, this past game, he went from a guy who had been off the team even when they were already down, Tyson Alualu and Stefan Tuit. Henry Mondo was sitting on the practice squad. To this week, he was third behind only Cameron Hayward and Chris Wormley in snaps. And he recorded the first sack of his NFL career. More than that, I'm going to come out and state that of all the players on the Steelers' defensive line right now, you know, not Stefan Tuitt, not Tyson Aluwalu, not people who are injured, but of the players available right now, he's the best pass rusher. Now, you're going to be like, yeah, okay, he got a sack, right? He got one sack. What is that? You know, congratulations, kid. You got, you got your first sack of your career. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about well going going on film beyond that. Every single down he's playing. When it is a passing situation for the other team, Henry Mondo is the second best player on this roster right now on the defensive line. Now, I want to clarify this a little bit by saying that the number one in whatever you asked on defensive line is Cameron Hayward. Who's the best pass rusher? Cameron Hayward. Who's the best run stopper? Cameron Hayward. Who's the best at running a stunt? Cameron Hayward. Who's the best at, I don't know, everything but grilling steaks? Cameron Hayward is your guy, right? He's number one guy on the defensive line, by far. Henry Mundo is number two when it comes to pass rush. He's ahead of Chris Worm. He's ahead of Isaiah Bugs. He's ahead of, in my opinion, Carlos Davis. He's shown that. We'll see if the Steelers agree with me on that one, but I think he's better than Carlos Davis. And he's not as bad in the run game as I think he gets a reputation for. He's not great. That's why the Steelers have him, you know, on the bench and on the practice squad. He ran some stunts, some interior stunts. He ran, uh, he split some double teams in this game. Towards the end of the game, when he was really getting snaps, when it was obvious the Denver Broncos needed to pass, they put in Henry Mondo, and every single snap he was in, there was pressure on Teddy Bridgewater. Every single time, and he was a big part of it. That he he often will even just crash into the pocket, and you'll see like he's being blocked to the ground, right? But he's in the middle of the pocket, and he has an arm out reaching for the quarterback, just getting in the quarterback's way, getting getting in there where the quarterback can't step up into the pocket, where his pocket's not clean, making it a messy pocket, whether he's upright and paying attention or if he's falling down. He's the guy who's just like, I'm crashing into this pocket one way or another. You know, I may not be on my feet. I may be grasping at someone's shoestrings by, with my hand as I'm double teamed and pancaked, you know, but I'm going to be in the pocket. That's Henry Mondo. So right now, to me, he has a lot of value on this defensive line because he is their second-best pass rusher. So if the Steelers do get a lead and they are trying to run out the game and the other team has to throw the ball, Henry Mondo's the guy you want in there. Until Stefan Tuitt or Tyson Alualu return, Henry Mondo's that guy. As always, Chris Wormley is, is a very solid defensive lineman. He's not physically dominant. He's more smart and positionally sound. He's that guy. He does a lot of pocket contain for the Steelers. And uh, 
Oh, it stood out. It was it was pretty bad. There was a Henry Mondo was in. He had a inside defensive line stunt with Cameron Hayward, and Cameron Hayward got right into the quarterback. He drove two players backwards, rocked the stunt. Like I've shown, I've done film rooms before on that. He he is great as the you know the the lead guy in a, in a stunt setting up for the other person to twist behind him. He's fantastic at it. Chris Wormley comes back in, right? Now you have the Steelers starting defensive line right now in and they run the same stunt and Chris Wormley gets nowhere on it. Cameron Hayward tries the stunt, runs straight into Chris Wormley, has to like maneuver around Chris Wormley, slowing him down and creating this kind of log jam in the middle where both of our defensive tackles are right in the middle and one's behind the other. Cameron Hayward has a Steeler defender between him and where he's trying to go. That's not... That's not going to be good. You're not going to get good results, and they didn't. Pocket was clean. Quarterback could step up and throw downfield. So Henry Mondo has a role on this defensive line, and I, I hope the Steelers get to use him more, and I hope he gets to show off what he can do in that situation. Moving on to the edge rushers, T.J. Watt. Uh, T.J. Watt looked like he did last week. He, he's a step slow. He's not. I think he looked better this week than last week as far as speed. Uh, he didn't get the sacks last week. He got some fluky sacks. This week he did not. Uh, but he had a good game. He's still a good player. He's still our best edge rusher. He's just not 100% yet. Melvin Ingram, very solid still. Uh, we're still waiting for Alex Smith to show up on the, in a, on the stats chart, you know, on the stat sheet. We're still waiting for him to show up there. He has zero quarterback hits, zero sacks, and five pressures through four games. Five hurries. That is what he has. That's not great. He's been largely solid against the run game. There, You can double team him, knock him off the ball, but usually he wins a one versus one. So he's been solid most of the time in the run game. He needs... He really needs to step up. Like, we really need Alex Highsmith to become the player he flashed last season, you know, that he could be. And I think with the defensive line being not what it was before and T.J. Watt not quite as dominant as he he usually is right now, teams are able to, you know, give him a little attention, whereas before he was the last guy in the line getting attention. But at the same point, we saw him – in the Cleveland game, when the when the starters were out and he was the guy, right? He was the main guy. He dominated that game against a really good offensive line. He was going up against Jedrick Wills, right? And he's winning this matchup consistently. We need to see that Alex Highsmith show back up. Uh, the, the new guy, Tuska, Derek Tuska, uh, I actually liked his game. He he was he played a few snaps and he was solid, so I, I was happy with that. We're gonna quick move on to the inside linebackers because this is a big deal. Uh, Joe Schobert had probably his best game yet as a Steeler. He was showed up in run defense. He showed up in coverage. He had a few bad plays. One of them, uh, the fourth and two, big conversion downfield to to uh, Cortland Sutton. He was matched up on Cortland Sutton in the same defense the Denver Broncos exploited last year, running the same combination. The wide receiver outside, heads up field in a in a slant, in a not a, slant, a corner route, going 
out to the sideline. The inside receiver runs a quick out. The way the Steelers defend that is if that quick out, you know, what is called if that out comes, comes fast, if that out comes fast, the cornerback picks that up and the linebacker drops. And that allows the linebacker to have a deeper drop to start and have a better position to defend, you know, his receiver that he's on that's naturally a mismatch. But it gives him a better chance at that if he doesn't have to cover that quick out. Well, they did it last year, and how Denver ran it last year was they ran that out just high and slow enough to let the the guy going deep get a little bit deep and, and drive you know the cornerback back a bit, and then hit that out really quick once they've seen the defense kind of start to commit to it. Well, that blurs the lines in your read. Like, where what's the cutoff point for you know, when to take the out and when the when to not, when the linebacker has to cover that out himself. And when to switch. And Schobert, Schobert took the out. When the Steelers' solution at that time and for the rest of the season when other teams tried to attack them with that same route combination, the Steelers' solution was the cornerback takes the out every time. And the linebacker drops, right? If you see that coming... The linebacker is going to drop every time. Schobert wasn't here for that. And in this game, he bit on it. And you could see he, he stepped up to it and then turned to run back. Yeah, he, he wasn't here. He made that same mistake, and that was a bad play. Uh, outside of that mistake, which obviously I'm, I'm not going to beat him up for that, Joe Schobert's weaknesses are he frequently gets caught in misdirection and in trickier plays. You know, like a little bit of trick play where you're disguising what people are doing. He gets caught watching the ball or assuming what's going to happen. Like if you show him, hey, this is a jet sweep, he's going to assume it's a jet sweep. He's And you he will often catch him off guard. If he thinks it's a run play, he, he's he's a little weak in coverage and play action because of that. Um, and there's a few other times he gets caught. But Joe Schober had his best game this week. The interesting thing is with Devin Bush having a groin injury, Robert Spillane is going to be filling in for Devin Bush. And I don't think that's a big deal, right? He, Robert Spillane is not Devin Bush, but Devin Bush hasn't been himself this year. And Robert Spillane, uh, Devin Bush's role this year so far, he's been the blitzer. He's been the the, the more of attacking linebacker. And, has, and while Joe Schobert has been the main coverage linebacker. Well, with Robert Spillane coming in for Devin Bush, that allows Robert Spillane be to, get, to be the guy attacking. Right to give him the simpler role, running tackle people, and I think he can do that. I think that's going to be solid. I don't think we're going to see a huge drop off there. Uh, I want to cover really quick at safety. Uh, Terrell Edmonds is sneakily having a really good season this year. He showed up a few times in film in a good way. Uh, anyone who gets targeted a decent amount is going to get you know beat a few times, and he gives up some catches, but not a lot. And he's making good plays on defense. He is frequently, his guy is not open. There's not a lot of throws to be made there. And even when they do go for it, most of them are incomplete. It's just he's got good coverage. He makes it a tough throw. If you're going to beat him, it's going to have to be a really good throw. He's having a really good season. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick's also having a good season. He's not having the season we've come to expect, partly because with the talent drop-off around him, he's covering for a lot of people. He's got a lot more work to do that way. And teams have kind of picked up on some of his tendencies. And he's adapt he's adapting to the fact that teams expect him to gamble. 
Last guy I want to cover real quick is James Pierre. James Pierre covered all of Cameron Sutton's snaps at outside cornerback in base and nickel. Uh, he was that guy in dime, and he just stayed there. He got beat a couple of times, but he also made a couple of really big plays. James Pierre is a really, really good cornerback in his fundamentals and his mechanics. He's really good, especially for his age. His only limitation is speed, and it's a pretty big one. That's a really tough one to overcome. Uh, Joe, Joe Hayden is not that fast anymore, but Joe Hayden was significantly faster when he was younger than James Pierre is. And while James Pierre has a lot of those, those skills, you take a guy like a Joe Hayden who's that slow now, he had years and years to build up experience, technique, little tricks to get away with you know, defending a receiver who's significantly faster than him. James Pierre is an undrafted free agent in his second season. He's not there yet. But he's been good. He's been really good. So for me, the Steelers story of this game was James Pierre playing really well outside uh, and then being able to cover for Cameron Sutton's absence. Henry Mondo stepping up and giving the Steelers a pass rush to make life harder for Teddy Bridgewater on those on those late drives. Something we've seen other teams have success at is when they need to pass, they have time in the pocket and can pass. Henry Mondo was breaking this was disrupting that. Good game for him and last Robert Spillane coming in for Devin Bush and playing really well. Those were keys to this game to to the Steelers winning this game and keeping uh keeping the score down so they the offense didn't have to go out there and keep making scores late in the game. That is the first half of our show that's on the defense. We're going to take a little break, stay tuned and uh in the second part of our show, we'll be covering the Steelers' offense and who showed up in the game for the Steelers. Welcome back, Steeler fans. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. This is The Cutting Room Floor. As always, The Cutting Room Floor is brought to you by the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. You can tune in to whatever podcast you're on now to get our entire lineup. Recently, I've been going through and picking one show that I've enjoyed the past week and then talking a little bit about that here. Giving you ideas for other shows you should check out. Today, I want to talk about the live mic. Uh, It's a show hosted by my co-host on our other podcast on here, Know Your Enemy, where we discuss the opposing teams coming up. Uh, I, I would like to think that Mike Michael Beck is everyone's favorite Canadian Steeler fan, or at least on our podcasting system. He also has the best intro of any Behind the Steel Curtain podcast, courtesy of head coach Mike Tomlin himself. You'll have to check it out to hear that. I love it. This past week, Michael Beck told you why the Pittsburgh Steelers needed to put Ben Roethlisberger on the bench and give Mason Rudolph a shot at playing quarterback. 
Now you might be saying, why are you why are you calling this out, Jeffrey? Isn't that you know wasn't that a, a bad take? Like, didn't Ben Roethlisberger have his best game in like two seasons, efficiency wise? I'm like, yeah, okay, okay, you have a point there. But I think that just goes to show that Ben Roethlisberger listens to Michael Beck's show, heard that he wasn't playing very well, and in my opinion, that drove his performance this past week. So. Going into this, the rest of the season, make sure you check out the live mic to find out what Steeler player Michael Beck is ticking off this week and who's going to have a big game. <laughs> All right. Uh, that, that was a little fun at my, uh, my co-host Michael Beck's expense there. Uh, anyways, moving on, <laughs> moving on to, uh, to the, the cutting room floor here in our content, uh, this is the second half of the show. We're going to talk about the offense. And we're going to start with Ben Roethlisberger. We're going to start with uh, the guy Michael Beck said needed to be benched after after last week's game. After the game against Green Bay, I should say. Uh, and we're going to talk about Ben Roethlisberger. I've talked about Ben Roethlisberger and done a film room on how Ben Roethlisberger has been uh, throwing when, he, when he's got an outside receiver with, with a cornerback outside of him, you know, kind of outside leverage defending the shots down the sideline. Ben Roethlisberger has been throwing the ball to the coverage, been throwing the ball outside of the receiver so the receiver has to fight through the coverage to get to the ball. And that's not what you want to throw. I also did a film showing how earlier in his career, even as even as you know recent as 2018 before he was injured in 2019, Ben Roethlisberger was nailing those throws, splitting the cornerback in the deep safety help to get for big gains, including... In 2018, a 97-yard touchdown to Juju Smith-Schuster on a throw like that. This game, we saw that happen again. Deontay Johnson got an inside release. The cornerback was outside of him. Ben threw the ball outside to Deontay Johnson. Fortunately for the Steelers, Deontay Johnson had won that route well enough that he was able to slow down, cross in front of the defender's body, make the catch, and still take it for a touchdown. But that's still not the throw you want to make there, right? That's that's not Ben Roethlisberger making a great throw on that touchdown. That's Deontay Johnson winning that route so much, by so much, that it didn't matter that his quarterback didn't hit him well, right? And so instead of instead of Deontay Johnson being like six yards open and walking into the end zone untouched and just looking ridiculously like the you know looking like a ridiculously great play. He slowed down, crossed the defender's body, and had to break a weak tackle attempt to get into the end zone, right? Uh, and that's one, that's one of the things that stands out to me is they talk about separation with the Steelers defenders, and often that separation is at the catch point. Deontay Johnson absolutely destroyed the coverage on that play, and yet when he caught the ball, the defender was right on him. Because all of that cushion, all of that lead that he had developed, all of that, you know, space he had gained by winning the route was eaten up by Ben Roethlisberger not throwing the best ball. Later in the game, do you remember the Chase Claypool touchdown? Chase Claypool's on a seam right, right up the hash marks. He's got a he's got outside leverage behind him and a deep safety in the middle. It's in zone, so it's not quite exactly the same. And he started in the slot, so it's not exactly the same throw, right? But Ben Roethlisberger stepped up, split the defense, and hit that pass. 
He hit that pass last week to Juju Smith-Schuster, where Juju was expecting the ball to go outside, and it threw off his timing just enough to prevent a big play, right? We're seeing Ben Roethlisberger make some of those throws. What we need is for him to do it consistently. We need for him to be able to hit those shots to really stress the defensive safeties to create space underneath. Overall, Ben looked better. He looked more comfortable in the pocket. We'll get we'll, we'll we'll talk about that from you know a different angle in a few minutes here. His mechanics looked better. He looked more comfortable. Last week there was some hesitancy in his throws. Uh, I think that the works he was doing on fixing his mechanics kind of introduced a little hesitation and in thinking into his game, which that's that's common. That's something that happens. This week everything looked better. The mechanics just looked more sound. He seemed more comfortable, and he was much more in rhythm. As a result of this, all all of this, Chase Claypool ended up leading the team in targets. And in my opinion, all right, as good as a receiver as Deontay Johnson is, and I want to remind people I was on the Deontay Johnson bandwagon really early after they drafted him. I started watching his college film and saw his releases and his route running against uh, University of Miami when they ran press coverage and they had one of the better press coverage corners in the in the league and in, in, in college football, I should say. Uh, and Deontay Johnson just absolutely destroying this bigger cornerback whose who's main skill is he's fast and he's great at being physical. And Deontay Johnson just was, was destroying him all game. And he did it in the, ne- the next year too. He did it two years in a row against Miami. I became a huge Deontay Johnson fan. But on the Steelers' offense, when Deontay Johnson is leading the team in targets by a a, a good amount, the offense isn't as good. When Chase Claypool gets more targets, or roughly equivalent targets to Deontay Johnson, not only does the offense work better, Deontay Johnson is more efficient. He gains more yards. The Steelers' offense, and I, I I don't think this is causation as much as correlation, when you see Ben Roethlisberger throwing the ball to Deontay Johnson a lot, it means the offense isn't working. And he's throwing to a guy who just wins the route, right? He's, he's more likely to just win the route and give you a chance to throw the ball to someone who's got some, you know, some separation. When the offense is rolling good, Deontay Johnson is the Steelers' number two receiver. He's just also kind of... You know, Ben Roethlisberger's safety blanket. I would compare this to kind of later in Heinz Ward's career when we had Santonio Holmes or even we had Mike Wallace. And, you know, that when Heinz Ward was leading the team in targets, it wasn't a good thing anymore, right? It wasn't a good thing. When he was the number two guy in targets, your offense is rolling, right? Because you still have Heinz Ward producing, but he's not the only one producing. And we see that a lot with Deontay Johnson. When you see Deontay Johnson getting a lot of targets, it's generally because the offense isn't playing well. And that's Ben's safety blanket is Deontay Johnson right now. Juju Smith-Schuster is done. This is big news. Juju Smith-Schuster is out for the rest of the season. I'm going to throw this at you really quick. It's a statistics thing. But from the second half of Juju Smith-Schuster's rookie season, after he had that breakout game against Detroit, right? To the through the first half of 2019, even with Mason Rudolph playing football games, you know, even with him taking over for Ben, Juju Smith-Schuster over that time period averaged 85.2 yards per game, 
9.64 yards per target and 14 touchdowns in 30 games. Scored 14 touchdowns in 30 games, right? This is good receiver numbers. Really good production here. 85.2 yards per game. Even with Mason Rudolph, you know, starting at quarterback, that first half of 2019, Ben was playing horribly. Mason Rudolph's a quarterback. Juju Smith-Schuster was on to pace for an 1,100-yard season. He was still producing. He was still getting touchdowns. Since his injuries in 2019, which also involved Ben Roethlisberger returning from his injuries, he has played in 26 games. Juju Smith-Schuster has averaged 41.1 yards per game, less than half the yardage, at 5.94 yards per target. From over 9.5 yards per target, which is elite territory, to under 6, which is really not acceptable for a wide receiver. That's tight end. That's running back kind of numbers. Guys who are catching short passes out of the backfield or little, you know, little dump-offs. Not top wide receiver numbers. And he's had nine touchdowns in those 26 games. So touchdowns have stayed closer, but his production has been way off. And now his time with Ben Roethlisberger is likely done. And if he comes back next season to the Steelers, it'll likely be with a different quarterback. And if he leaves the Steelers, he obviously won't have Ben Roethlisberger as a quarterback. So we'll have to wait till next season to kind of find out. Was that the injuries on him that have limited him and caused him's game to drop off? Or was it something with Ben Roethlisberger's injuries that have caused those two to fall off together? Because in 2019, there was no Antonio Brown, right? There was none. And he was still getting it done. The other thing I want to say about Juju Smith-Schuster is every time he has been out, James Washington has stepped up in a big way. That's my that's my one fan, uh, fantasy football tip I'll get you. If, you. if you can get James Washington, get him. Because with Juju out, James Washington has averaged between 70 and 90 yards, right? When Juju Smith-Schuster struggles or is injured, James Washington is like a 70-yard-a-game receiver or better. So that's... That's a big deal. And while that is is driven a decent bit by Devlin Hodges' uh, numbers, it lines up with Ben, too. With Ben Roethlisberger, he's still in that 70 range. With with Devlin Hodges, it was more around 90. So that's what to look for the wide receivers. Look for James Washington to be that guy stepping up here. Uh, I want to get to the tight ends real quick. Zach Gentry, the last two weeks, leads the Steelers' tight ends in receiving yards with 23 yards. Yay! Talk about tight ends being underused. Uh, but I do want to talk about Gentry. Gentry is becoming a fantastic blocking tight end. I mean, he is like an extra offensive line in there. And that led to his latest 13-yard gain. Great play design by, by Matt Canada. It was a screen pass where Zach Gentry is blocking the edge rusher, does like drives him upfield, and then just turns and, and like turns to be the screen receiver, right? Right where he is. Just he's blocking that guy solidly. Not like a, just, you know, give him a shove and release, not a chip, anything like that, but solidly blocking him. And then as the guy starts to turn the corner around, just steps back and is wide open with two offensive linemen in front of him. And it's a 13-yard tight end screen. Oh, I love that play. Watching that play, I'm just like, that's Matt Canada. That's Matt Canada manufacturing a play by using someone who's not a receiving threat and all of a sudden being like, yeah, you can ignore him. He's blocked your, you know, your your outside linebacker. He's blocking. No one pay attention to Zach Gentry. And then all of a sudden, Zach Gentry has the get ball. There's a couple of blockers in front of him. He picks up 13 yards. I, I love those plays. You see them by Matt Canada. And I wanted to call that one out. 
the big thing I want to get to is the offensive line. Okorafor, Chukwuma Okorafor returned. He played a great game, uh, especially blocking Von Miller. Chukwuma Okorafor has a great record against the top pass rushers. And while he struggles in a lot of other ways and in a lot of other games, he shows up big when the opponent's edge rusher is a really good one. He is, he's done he's done it against Miles Garrett. He did it this game against Von Miller, who you know came into the game uh, in the top ten in sacks. Was like just below TJ Watt was four and a half sacks. So Corfor was good this game. He really was. And he actually showed up better in the run game. It's, it's like crazy. If Corfor has a tough matchup, he just plays better. I also want to talk about Dan Moore Jr. Dan Moore Jr. is really growing into his role. Uh, he has been a big part of the Steelers' improved run blocking, especially this game. He was phenomenal. Uh, he continues to struggle with bull rushes when he's pass blocking. That's a problem. But he is really developing as a run blocker. And I, I think he's one of our, he's already probably, he might be our third best offensive lineman right now. Dan Moore Jr., in this game at least, was our, I would say, our third best guy. Kendrick Green is improving every week. He still has a long way to go. Uh, teams aren't beating up on him as reliably as they were. I, I, it's hard to state this because he's still giving up too many bad plays, right? But there's more good plays than we've been seeing. And there are plays where he is a plus. It used to be every play was bad. It's just how bad was he going to be, right? Now you're seeing more plays where he is solid. You're seeing more, you're seeing him introduce plays where he is a he is he a where he is an asset to the team. And you're still seeing the same kind of ratio of really bad plays where he just gets beat. Uh Green is really improving as a pass blocker. It's more his run blocking where he gets in trouble. Uh, so he's kind of like doing the opposite of Dan Moore Jr. Whereas Dan Moore Jr. is becoming a really good run blocker. Uh, Kendrick Green is becoming a better pass blocker, and his run game is lagging behind that. Trey Turner, uh, real quick, is is he's the same guy. If the scheme is simple, there's a guy, you know, pushing backwards. He's fantastic. What he struggles with is picking up stunts and twists and little, you know, schemes and reading blitzes, stuff like that. He can struggle and you can beat him. But when it's just, you know, in a phone booth, there's your guy. Go pummel him. Trey Turner's great. The best Steelers offensive lineman for this year so far right now is Kevin Dotson. Kevin Dotson has been fantastic. And he really, I'm going to give him credit making this line look better than it is because while Dan Moore Jr. still has struggles and Kendrick Green is still has struggles, Kevin Dotson has been good enough that they just run Najee Harris to the left side anyways. Because Dotson's just going to dominate. And Dan Moore Jr. is, is getting better. It, and you're going to be able to gain yards. So Kevin Dotson, phenomenal. He's, he's, his play has been steadily improving. I think largely because the guys, as the guys around him get better, he can focus more on his job and not, you know, like, I need to block my guy with one hand so that I can give, you know, so I can give Dan Moore Jr. some help so Ben Roethlisberger doesn't get killed. The line improvement, especially in the run game, led to Benny Snell. Having his best game of the year uh, helped seal the win with five runs on the final two drives after Najee Harris got a little banged up. Najee, sorry, Najee Harris. He had 20 yards on those five runs. That's good. We can live with that. You can run the clock. You can, you can, you can put him in and sub him for Najee Harris at the end of a game when you're leading if he's going to be able to do that. Also, yeah, Najee Harris had a 100-yard rushing game. Denver hadn't given one up in uh, half a year. They haven't given that was our their first hundred yard rusher they gave up this season. Uh, 
and that was the first one for the Steelers in almost a year, a week short of a year. It was October 18th when he when they last had their 100-yard rusher, and it was 2020. It was James Conner. When you give Najee Harris solid run blocking, he is great. And the closing thought I want to leave you with here, talking about the Steelers' offense, is what is Najee Harris going to look like when this offensive line starts giving him good run blocking? Not just okay or solid enough run blocking, but legitimately good run blocking. That is going to be something to see. That's our show today. Make sure you're checking out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. I've got articles and film rooms going up this week. We've got the Vertex coming out the same on Wednesday. This show is coming out on Tuesday. So check that out. Check out the rest of the Behind the Steel Curtain podcasts. And, you know, have a great day, folks. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power. Loyalty. And luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.